stage presence, and ego are an integral part to being a musician, or any celebrity for that matter. To be a celebrity requires a certain amount of an ego. Egos are important. Egos help a celebrity develop a stage presence, and once a celebrity has a stage presence, they can then command an audience. It's part and parcel of what it takes to be a famous musician or a famous celebrity. The problem you run into is there's a line, and a lot of celebrities end up towing this line, or even crossing it, or in some cases just demolishing it altogether. And these are kind of evident in your, you know, rag mag kind of National Enquirer, The Globe, all that stuff. But it's evident in everything else, especially now with the introduction of the internet and, and the widespread availability it has to distribute media and allow a celebrity a catalyst in which to say their opinion on things. And, I mean, you can sit there and pick all day things that have happened that a celebrity's ego has gotten the better of them, or they have succumbed to their ego or whatever that has caused them to do something completely nonsensical. You can take a situation where Justin Bieber is taking a leak in a mop bucket. Does that seem logical in any way whatsoever? Probably not. And the artist we're going to talk about today is probably the biggest example of what happens when a person's ego consumes them. Today we're going to be diving into the illustrious career of Kanye West. Kanye Omari West was born on June 8, 1977 in Atlanta, Georgia. His father, Ray West, was a former Black Panther. Uh, from what I'm gathering, he was a photographer for the Black Panthers. He later went on to be one of the first Black photojournalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and from there would end up becoming a Christian counselor. His mother, Dr. Donda West was a professor of English at Clark Atlanta University, and then later on she would be the chair of the English department at Chicago State University before retiring to serve as Kanye West's manager. Now, for Kanye West, unlike a lot of the rappers of the time, he didn't grow up impoverished and having to, you know, fight and drug deal and, you know, deal with the cops and all these things that his counterparts that he would later represent would have to deal with. Kanye West grew up middle class. He started out middle class. His mom's a professor, his dad's working, and when he was in school, he got generally good grades. But it was evident even at a young age that Kanye West had an interest in poetry, rap, and music. By about grade three, it was evident that he kind of wanted to be a rapper. And by the age of 13, he was composing songs himself. He then convinced his mom to take him to a recording studio so that he could record a song. And his mom took him, and it's at this studio where Kanye West ran into a person by the name of DJ No ID. 
DJ No ID would end up becoming Kanye West's biggest mentor, friend, and influence. And he taught Kanye how to sample music and how to program beats using the sampler that Kanye West had gotten for his 15th birthday. After graduating high school, Kanye West received a scholarship to attend Chicago's American Academy of Art in 1997, and he began taking painting classes. He soon then transferred to Chicago State University to study English. While doing this, Kanye kind of found that the workload in university was kind of getting in the way of his music career. If Kanye West was going to pursue a career in music, he was going to have to drop out of college. And so far, this music career of his had only really given him a couple things. He produced eight tracks on an album called Down to Earth by Chicago rapper Grav. And for a little while, he acted as a ghost producer for D-Dot. And because of his association with D-Dot, Kanye wasn't able to produce a solo album. So instead, Kanye became a member of a group called the Go-Getters, which featured himself, GLC, Timmy G, Aerostar, and almost one of the funniest rap names I've ever heard in my entire life, a rapper by the name of Really Doe. His name is Really Doe. That is absolutely fantastic. He's the GOAT. Anyways, anyways, continuing on. They did a couple of promotional photo shoots and appeared on radio a few times. And in 1999, the group released their one and only album called World Record Holders. After that, Kanye West kind of still stayed in the realm of producing. But now he started producing records for more well-known artists, such as Foxy Brown. He then helped produce some of Harlem World's album The Movement, Jermaine Dupree, and six more songs for D-Dot. But these wouldn't even begin to compare to what the year 2000 had in store for Kanye. In the year 2000, Kanye West started doing production for Rockefeller Records. And this is when Kanye West started to get a lot of traction, a lot of recognition. One of the biggest was the contribution he had to revitalizing Jay-Z's career with the 2001 album The Blueprint. And because The Blueprint is now ranked as one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time, that substantially blew Kanye up. Now everybody kind of knew who Kanye was and, and what he did in production. Because of that, Kanye West became an in-house producer for Rockefeller Records, and artists specifically looked for him. He would go on to produce records for artists such as Benny Siegel, Freeway, Cameron, Ludacris, Alicia Keys, and Janet Jackson. But as good a producer as Kanye West was, that wasn't what he wanted to be. He wanted to be a rapper. There's only one niche. The rap game and being a rapper, a lot of it entails what you've gone through and who you are and what your background is and what your alliances are. And the problem was Kanye West was pudding. He was seen as being, you know, not really that gangsta image. And because of that, people were really reluctant to give him a chance to be a rapper. He met with Capitol Records, and they denied giving him an artist deal. Eventually, Rockefeller Records would, but even they were pretty reluctant 
because Kanye West's background completely contrasted with any of the artists that were signed by Rockefeller Records. Then, on October 23, 2002, Kanye West was driving home after a long day of recording, and on his way home, he fell asleep at the wheel. This caused him to have a head-on collision with another vehicle. It shattered Kanye West's jaw and broke both legs of the other driver. It inspired Kanye West to write a song called Through the Wire, which expressed his experiences after the accident and helped build what would end up being Kanye West's career. The song would lead to being a mixtape of Get Well Soon, and then that song, Through the Wire, would end up being on his debut record. Kanye West announced that he was going to be releasing his debut album, and that it was going to be called College Dropout. Months before the album actually hit shelves, it was leaked on the internet. Now, most celebrities, or musicians, would take that as a panic button, and either they'd release the album at the same time, knowing that it's out there already, or they would try and fight back against it or try and keep songs secret or whatever. Kanye West, in almost a brilliant move, took it as an opportunity to review his own album. He saw what people were saying, what they liked, what they didn't like, and then from there remixed certain songs, remastered stuff, revisited stuff. He dropped tracks off his album, like Keep the Receipt and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. This, of course, would inevitably delay the album's release to February 10th, 2004. But when the album was released, it shot all the way up to number two. Part and parcel because that single that he had recorded not that long ago, the Through the Wire, had helped kind of springboard this album up. But the album itself was met with tons of acclaim, especially songs like Jesus Walks and followed shortly by another song called New Workout Plan. Now, the album itself ended up going to be triple platinum in the U.S. It garnered Kanye West 10 Grammy nominations. It received Best Rap Album. And during that period, Kanye West founded a company called Good Music, which was a record label and management company. It would go on to house artists like No ID and John Legend. Now, the problem is, is that Kanye West's style of producing became popular because of the success of this album. What Kanye West had liked to do is speed up the vocal samples of soul records. And now, other artists were taking that and running with it, and now it kind of flooded the market with that kind of production. So it forced Kanye West to feel that, maybe I've been over-dependent on that way of producing, and I need to find a new technique. And during that time, he also produced songs for Brandy, Common, John Legend, and Slum Village. Because of the success of his first album, Kanye West had a much larger budget to work with to start producing his second album. So he enlisted the help of film score composer John Byron to help him make this album kind of come together. He wanted more stringed instruments, more orchestra-type stuff involved in it, but for Kanye, this is also the part in his career where his ego, or I don't know if it's a mental or an ego or whatever thing, this is going to start to begin to clash against his career. And it all starts at the American Music Awards in 2004. 
Kanye West was nominated for Best New Artist. Now, unfortunately, he didn't win that. And when the winner was announced and it wasn't Kanye, he stormed out of the award ceremony and never came back. So it looked really poor on him. Then he followed that up. After recording his second album, the album's called Late Registration, just before the album was released, Kanye West took part in a disaster relief concert for Hurricane Katrina. Now, if you don't remember kind of what Hurricane Katrina was, was Hurricane hits New Orleans, causes a whole bunch of widespread flooding, and then late after there's a whole bunch of crime and so forth and so on. But anyways, so they're doing a whole bunch of disaster relief, and as part of that, they did a concert. Kanye West was chosen to be a speaker during this event. He was paired with Michael Myers. Mike Myers, I guess. Michael Myers is the guy who kills people in Halloween. Mike Myers. It's the same name for Kanye West. Anyways. So he was put with Mike Myers to, to speak about the events taking place in New Orleans. And Mike Myers was reading from a teleprompter script. When Kanye West's turn came up, Kanye West completely deviated from the script and kind of, kind of spoke from his feelings. It then went back over to Mike Myers, who continued to read from the script. And then when it went back over to Kanye West again, all Kanye West said was that, George Bush doesn't care about black people. And after that, the feed from Mike Myers and Kanye West gets cut and it goes back to somebody else. Which fired a whole lot of mixed feelings about, you know, Kanye West and kind of what he stood for. I mean, George Bush would go on to say that it was probably one of the most disgusting events since he was president. But there's a lot of disgusting events that took place while he was president, so let's not kid ourselves. Anyways, that being said, after all this stuff kind of happens... Kanye West then releases his second album on August 30th of 2005, Late Registration. The album itself debuted at number one, and Rolling Stone named it the best album of 2005. It's later included at number 118 of the 2012 list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Now, the deal with it is, is that this entire album is, I think almost every song has a featured artist, from Jay-Z to Brandy to Adam Levine of Maroon 5, Loop Fiasco, and the list goes on. But on top of that, the album itself is intensely well-made. Every song on it had its potential to be a chart-topping hit song. One of the ones that ended up being one of those strong hit songs was a song called Gold Digger featuring Jamie Foxx it would go on to be probably one of the most recognized songs off that album. He followed that up by touring the next year with U2 on their Vertigo tour. Now this is where something kind of interesting happens. Kanye West starts really paying attention to what's going on. U2 performs as a rock band, and he's seeing how the stadium kind of plays out, how stadium music kind of sounds whether it's the idea of the Rolling Stones or Led Zeppelin, how melody and chord progression work. And he starts to kind of want to put that into his third album. He wants to dabble a bit with some electronic music, you know, influenced by the 1980s. And he wants to be able to make a more lyrical album that maybe is developing on his ability to a lyricist. He starts listening to artists like 
Johnny Cash, Bob Dylan. And then he starts to record his third studio album. Using all these ideas, he put together his next album, Graduation, which was released on September 11th of 2007. And it immediately pit Kanye West against 50 Cent's Curtis album. And Kanye West blew Curtis out of the water. Graduation debuted at number one. It went on to be certified double platinum again. And Kanye West, for the third album of three, won the Grammy for Best Rap Album. The most notable song off of this album is a song called Stronger, which samples Daft Punk's Harder, Better, Faster song. But not to be fooled, there are many tracks on that album that were just as good. Songs like Good Life and Homecoming. And it seemed like for Kanye West, things were kind of going along schedule and everything was working out well. Until November of 2007. Kanye West's mother died of complications of a cosmetic surgery involving an abdominoplasty and a breast reduction. And months later, Kanye West ended his relationship with Alexis Pfeiffer, whom they had been engaged and he had been with since 2002. Now, I don't know really what caused the problem with his mom and what caused the problem in his relationships, but either way, Kanye West chose to kind of just sink his head down and proceed with his glow-in-the-dark tour. And while on tour, he was playing around with autotune. Autotune, of course, is widely known by being started by Cher and then later being adopted by rap in many, 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 many songs. And Kanye West wanted to use this in his next album. At the 2008 MTV Video Music Awards, Kanye West chose to debut the lead single off of his new album. The song was called Love Lockdown, and it featured a lot of that autotune. And on November 24th of 2008, Kanye released the fourth studio album, 808s and Heartbreaks. And the second single off the album, a song called Heartless, did just about as well as the first single, peaking right around number two. The album itself did really well, but took a lot of flack about kind of pulling away from, you know, artists who were talking about more controversial stuff or being more, I don't know, not having to rely on a auto-tune. Like, people made complaints, but regardless, the album sold incredibly well, much like his other albums. The next year, 2009, would be known as being one of the biggest controversies of Kanye West's uh, illustrious career, I guess, to that point. I think he's had some pretty big ones since then, but this is the event where Beyonce and Taylor Swift are nominated for the same award, and Taylor Swift goes on to win it, and just as she's about to start giving her acceptance speech, Kanye West comes on the stage, takes a microphone from her, and, you know, tells everybody that Beyonce's album is the best album of all time and how she should have won or whatever. And backlash from this was that Kanye West was set to go on tour with Lady Gaga. And that tour, the Fame Kills tour, was cancelled as part of that controversy. Following this whole big backlash, Kanye West kind of took it as a, maybe I should kind of duck out and hide for a while. And that's what he did. Eventually, you know, the bug got him enough that he started working on another album. 
He started bringing in producers that he liked, artists that he liked, and started compiling this album that was going to be released. And on November 22nd of 2010, Kanye West released his fifth studio album. It was called My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and it got critical acclaim. A lot of people saw this as being one of Kanye West's best albums to date and solidifying his comeback to the to the rap game. And on that album itself, it came with a ton of hits, songs like All of the Lights, Power, Monster, and Runaway with Pusha T. The album went on to be platinum, but was mysteriously missing as one of the contenders for Album of the Year at the 54th Annual Grammy Awards. And this was seen as being a deliberate snub against Kanye West for his actions regarding Taylor Swift and his attitude towards things. Following the tour for this album, though, Kanye West released an album that was a collaborative album between himself and Jay-Z. In August of 2011, they released an album called Watch the Throne. Off that album, the biggest hit single was a single called Niggas in Paris. And it was recorded as being the highest charting single off that album. It peaked at number five on the Billboard Top 100. It kicked off a Watch the Throne tour in October of 2011, which concluded in June of 2012, which was right around the time when another collaborative album by Kanye West came out called Cruel Summer. It was another collection of tracks by artists from Kanye West's label. And it produced four singles, two of which were in the top 20 of the Hot 100, the song Mercy and the song Click. 2012 also saw the beginning of Kanye West and Kim Kardashian's relationship. 2013 started with Kanye West now going into sessions for his next studio album, his sixth studio album. This album is going to be called Yeezus. And he wanted to incorporate more acid house and industrial music, and he wanted to kind of be more of a minimalist type of album. The album was released on June 18th of 2013 and received rave reviews from critics. It became a sixth consecutive number one debut album, but also marked the lowest sales in albums he has had. The lead single off of it is a song called Black Skinhead. The other songs weren't really that well known. June also saw the birth of his first child. Three days prior to the album's release, on June 15th, his daughter, North, was born. Two and a half months later, he would start his solo tour with fellow rapper Kendrick Lamar. And it's known as being one of the best rap kind of concerts, kind of really ever. It, it pushes the boundaries of kind of the norms of what would be a concert. And it sometimes can be a little overwrought and uncomfortable, but overall it was amazing. Following this kind of tour, or during, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian announced that they were engaged to be married, which they did in May of 2014. He also announced that he was going to be starting work on his next album, and following that, in December, Adidas announced the beginning of their official apparel collaboration with Kanye West called Yeezy Season 1. But despite Kanye's talk about making a new album, it would be a while before Kanye released another album. 
he released a song called Four Five Seconds, which was a single produced with Rihanna and Paul McCartney, and that was in January of 2015. But his actual studio album wouldn't come out till the next year. This album was originally called So Help Me God. After a while, Kanye West decided that he was going to change the name to an album called Swish. And Swish would remain that up until almost the album was released. In February of 2016, he released songs like Real Friends and No More Parties in L.A. with Kendrick Lamar. He then changed the name of the album from Swish to Waves. And it stayed that way for a little while. But when the album was released on February 11th of 2016, it ended up being called The Life of Pablo. Although there was a bit of complications in the release of The Life of Pablo because it was released exclusively on Tidal for a couple days before the official streaming was released, the album still debuted at number one, making Kanye West a perfect seven for seven. From the album came songs like Famous, Father Stretch My Hands, and Fade, all songs that kind of weren't overly huge radio play songs. But the album itself was fairly good. The tour for Pablo came with a bunch of problems. There was a robbery on November 21st of 2016 in which a bunch of Kim Kardashian's jewelry was stolen. And then this caused Kanye West to cancel 21 dates remaining on the tour. Of course, following that, Kanye West was admitted to UCLA Medical Center for psychiatric observation. He had stayed hospitalized there over Thanksgiving weekend because of temporary psychosis, and a lot of this stemmed from sleep deprivation to dehydration, which also led Kanye West to take an 11-month break from Twitter and the public in general. By this time, Kanye had been dealing with a lot of stress. He had now had two children. Saint was born at the end of 2015 and then he had his daughter north and his wife and he just wanted to kind of have some time to himself but when he arrived back into the social scene something was kind of off about kanye granted he announced that he was going to be releasing his next album and he announced that he was going to be releasing a, a collaboration with kid cuddy under the band name kid see ghosts and that's all good and all but there was a lot of stuff kind of going on. Kanye West released a song called Lift Yourself. It was a single, and it was an odd song. Take a listen to it. It's kind of different. I guess, that's the only way I can put it. It's hard to kind of grasp what's going on there. And then there was a song called Ye Versus the People. And that was kind of about T.I. and Kanye West's discussion about Kanye West's controversial support of Donald Trump. Now, all these things are kind of happening, and then he followed that up with um, Pusha T released an album called Daytona. The cover of Daytona is actually a photograph of deceased singer Whitney Houston's bathroom, and Kanye West paid $85,000 to license that picture in order to use it for the album. And that caused a whole bunch of controversy. And kind of while that was still kind of happening, Kanye West released his next album. And it was called Yee. 
like all the other albums before, Ye debuted at number one, making it his eighth, which ties a record for the amount of consecutive uh, number one debuting albums. His next one, whichever, well, I think it's called Yandi, which is set to be released right near the end of 2018. If he ends up, if that ends up debuting as number one, he'll hold the record for the most consecutive number one debuting albums. Anyways, back to Yi. When Yi was released, it, it got great reviews in the regard that it sold well and it, it did kind of like what Kanye West does. Featured singles like Yikes and All Mine, but the album itself, now this is just me and you're welcome to disagree with me, but the album seemed really messy and disorganized. And when I listen to it, it's I, like I don't know what's trying to occur on this album. It's it's really hard to kind of follow. There's a lot of socio-political kind of views in it, and it's very differently put together. That's the best I can say about it. Anyways, so following the album release of Yee, he released a collab album between himself and Kid Cudi, which is that... Um, Kids See Ghosts under the same title track. So the band is Kids See Ghosts, the album is Kids See Ghosts, and the album, I think, is personally, it's kind of odd too, but a little bit more pulled back. It's still rap and it's still kind of very lyric driven. And I think part of that has to do with Kid Cudi being in on that, but that album I absolutely adore. So following that, Kanye West is set to release another album. What'll come of that? I mean, this one, the one that was called Ye, was supposed to be called, I think it was supposed to be called something like TurboGrafx-16 to begin with. And then he, like, he likes to change up the title of the album a lot. So I don't know if Yandi will be end up, end up actually being called Yandi. But I mean, with this album, it'll be breaking a record. But that's been kind of our look at Kanye West and his career. Kanye West is interesting in the regards that he's released so many songs and so many albums and had enormous success. Because as a producer and as a rapper and all these things, individually he's quite talented. But I think that the fame and his own personal stresses is almost breaking him. Like, he's almost detaching from reality, and now he's starting to do things that just don't make any sense whatsoever. But we'll see where things go. We'll see if he'll be able to pull it back a bit, or if he just goes right off the rails. It'll be interesting either way. Anyways, this has been our look at Kanye West. Um, As usual, if you guys have any questions or episodes you want to see, you can email me at evergrowpodcast at hotmail.com. There's a Facebook page, the the SoundCloud page and there's um, you can find these all these episodes now on iTunes so feel free to grab and listen to them if you have any questions or you want to tell me how good or bad a job I'm doing feel free fire them at me anyways I will see you next week and we'll continue growing together